When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the Knapsack Files broadcast facility in Studio City, California, this is Spotlight Star Wars. I'm your host, Ken Knapsack. Recording this again alone on a Friday night, drinking tonight some adult chocolate milk. Talking about Star Wars, drinking adult chocolate milk. It's the life, kids. So you can hear some sips, you can hear some ice clink. That's the way it is. Big Star Wars week as we come to you here. This show broadcasting uh, or hitting the airwaves Saturday morning. As I try to always make it so. Uh, oh, make it so. Star Trek, right? Sorry, apologize. Uh, big week in Star Wars. Of course, Monday was May the 4th. Star Wars Day, as it is now known. Back in my childhood and young adulthood, it was just... Star Wars Day was something I celebrated every day. So when Star Wars Day, the thing, started happening with May the 4th, I actually didn't participate. I, I didn't care. I was actually... Like, not a Star Wars fan on that day, which uh, I was contrarian, if you will, or a jerk, if you will. Um, because in my mind, Star Wars was something I celebrated every day. I didn't need to do it uh, on a particular day. It's like, it was like Valentine's Day and Star Wars Day had the same kind of reaction in my soul. I've since changed. Kind of had to, because when you're hosting a Star Wars show or two, and one of them actually falls on Monday, May the 4th, you kind of have to get into the spirit. And get into the spirit we did on Jedi Alliance on the Popcorn Talk Network with a live two-hour show. A great lineup of guests were on the show. Frankie Kazarian came out again. Love Frankie. Uh, be becoming uh, Getting to know him uh, through our combined uh, shared love of Star Wars, I should say. He's a great pro wrestler as well. And Jennifer Landa came back on the show, brought some hot cupcakes. Joe Ruggiero was there. Mike Black, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, the great Star Wars pontificator. And Mark Ellis dropped by as well. And Mark and Alexis in the engineer booth. We had a great time. If you have not checked it out and you're a Star Wars fan, I don't expect you to sit through two hours of a broadcast. I know I couldn't, but some of you do. A lot of you do. And, it, and it, it's very, it's not a fact lost on me. Uh, I don't think I could sit through five minutes of my voice, but you guys uh, seem to enjoy some things uh, when, when it's related to Star Wars particularly, and we had a great time. So check it out on iTunes, Jedi Lines on the Popcorn Talk Network, or uh, YouTube if you want to see the video, which includes uh, actually seeing the pictures. Uh, we did a figure fight again, which is becoming very popular. Uh, on the show where we pit classic Kenner figures against each other uh, and, and debate who would win figure-wise. Not necessarily character-wise, but figure-wise. And I think we're going to expand it to do a, um, a an episode entirely 
of figure fights. And then uh, maybe I think we'll get some of the uh, later Star Wars figures, some of the 90s Power of the Force figures, which are now kind of classics in their own right. And uh, we had a lot of fun. The show was great. Check it out. Point being, Star Wars Day is now a thing. I get it now. Now I'm full. Now I get it after all these years, after nearly 35 years or so as a Star Wars fan. Let's see, technically I saw it when I was one, or less than one, so I guess nearly 40 years of being a Star Wars fan. I didn't register it the first few years. Um, all that time, now I get it. Now I get Star Wars Day, and I want to thank you all for listening and supporting as well. Supporting this show, uh, other big news uh, during the week, Star Wars, the Josh Trank news, we talked about that last week. And then a couple days later, the movie that Trank is supposedly uh, was supposedly fired for or left, depending on who you believe, is the second Star Wars anthology um, movie. Oh, someone's periscoping. I better turn this phone down. Uh, don't get me started on Periscope. Um, I like it. I just wish I didn't. Um, so um, it was uh, announced for what is now the, maybe the fifth time that we know can now confirm to everyone but... Uh, you know, from Disney and Lucasfilm themselves, the only ones to not confirm it, that the second standalone or anthology film to be released in 2018 will be, that's right, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. We've heard this before. A Boba Fett origin story. We have heard this before. When the, as we called them then, standalone films were first announced that they were going to make them, the rumors, of course, were running rampant that the, um, the, the, the one of the focal points of one of the movies was absolutely going to be Boba Fett, who is uh, perhaps one of the more popular characters in all of Star Wars, remains so, kind of always has been since hitting the scene in Empire Strikes Back and actually technically the Star Wars Holiday Special. And lately, I, I seem to have been picking up on, and, and you out there can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I've been picking a, a, up on a little bit of little bit of Boba Fett bashing, a little bit of Boba Fett not being the most popular character in the Star Wars universe. Um, growing up, for me, I liked Boba Fett a lot. Definitely looks cool. If I was going to wear one outfit in the Star Wars universe, that would probably be it, I gotta say. It, it, the Mandalorian armor just looks cool. It always has. It looks different. It looks, you know, originally the concept, he might have been kind of a super stormtrooper, the, the white concept art that's going around. I finally have that Black Series figure, thanks to Mike Black, actually, a birthday gift from him. Um, so, so Boba Fett, he looks cool. And, and he, he, he was so sparse through Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and then dying like a chump, that those kind of characters kind of, they become even more loved because they weren't around. It's kind of like Jerry Seinfeld will say, leave them laughing. Well, I'm sure a thousand people have said leave them laughing, but I remember Seinfeld saying it. Um, you know, it is, but it's like a stand-up comic. You know, you you got to hit your jokes, get in, get out, and leave the stage. Better to leave them wanting more. And I think when you have someone like Boba Fett, he's not around for all three movies or all six movies. He's not saying a bunch of dialogue. He's just coming in, nodding cool kind of looking across the room at Jabba's uh, party to Bausch and giving that, that, that uh, yeah, we're on the same team type of nod and then uh, showing up in Empire, no matter what voice, whether it's Jeremy Bullock's voice or Tamura Murison's voice, it doesn't matter, whoever's voice it is in Empire, 
Boba Fett just he's just got some cool little scenes and he, he's just this dude he catches Han Solo when other people can't he outsmarts Han Solo when other people can't so he, I, I get it legend grows but then Boba Fett expanded universe really expanded the storyline he's crawling out of the Sarlacc he's uh, still alive uh, then you then you get the prequels come around and and turns out his dad who he was technically just cloned from. Django Fett is is the blueprint for the clones. And then there's little Boba, the unaltered clone, who's aging naturally that his father wanted. And, and you know, uh, Daniel Logan, I think, actually did a decent job in the prequels and has continued to voice that character and, and, and embrace that character, the young Boba Fett. And I, and I think I, I didn't have a problem with it. But I, I think a lot of people started to. It was too much Boba Fett. He had, uh, in the Clone Wars, he appeared uh, at the Imperial Academy, I believe, or the Republic Academy, I believe, for refreshing my memory on the fly here. But, um, and I actually liked that. Um, but again, all that kind of rolls into a little backlash against Boba. little backlash. A lot of people just starting to come out and say, you know what, I don't get why he's, he's so cool. What did he really do? Yeah, he captured Han Solo. Then he goes out like a jump. Falls in the Sarlacc pit, and the Sarlacc pit burps. One of the low points of the original Star Wars trilogy, I think, on many levels. And uh, some people are saying, do I want to see an entire movie about Boba Fett? And here's my thing. I don't necessarily want to either. I think I myself may have had enough of Boba Fett, though he still remains one of my favorite characters. I get the appeal. I'm totally behind the appeal. For me, I don't necessarily want it to be an origin story. Now, if this comes out that it is uh, maybe just an anthology movie about Boba Fett and has nothing to do with his origin, then maybe I'd be on more on board. No, in fact, I know I'd be more on board. I don't want to see where Boba Fett came from. I kind of already know. I kind of already get it. He had his father. He loved his father. He was cloned from his father. He had to love him. It was him, really. Um, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes around. He tells, get him, Dad. That whole scene, which all actually pretty good from Attack of the Clones. Then his dad gets this. I'm spoiling this if you haven't watched the prequels. Uh, if you haven't watched the prequels, I doubt you're listening to this. Mace Windu then chops Jango Fett's head off. Very unceremoniously, I might add. And there's little Boba holding that helmet. One of the uh, one of the shots there in Attack of the Clones of him holding his holding his helmet, holding his father's helmet, looking at him, probably thinking, "I'm going to avenge thee, Father Jango." That's enough of an origin for me. I get it. I get it where he goes from there. You pick him up in the Clone Wars. He's in the Academy. He's kind of a little rebellious kid. I get it. I don't think I need that. So, what kind of Boba Fett movie do we want? You tell me. Tweet me at Ken Hapsock. What kind of Boba Fett movie do you want? Could it be based around the now legendary video game that never was, Star Wars 1313? Which is to take place mostly on level 1313 of Coruscant. The Coruscant underworld of the, uh, the, the capital planet of the Republic. It was supposed to be dark and gritty. Could that be a plot point to jump this movie into? Could we see some take from Tales of the Bounty Hunter, an anthology book that, by the way, I have not read. 
Maybe I'm not a real Star Wars fan. I haven't read every single book in the vast expanded universe. Many of it's silly. I have not read that stuff, uh, though I know some people have had, and they said it's it's pretty darn good. And some of the rumors a while ago that when Lawrence Kasdan was on board and it was working on the Boba Fett anthology movie, a lot of a lot of stories said it's going to be based a little bit around the, some of the tales of the bounty hunter stuff, which uh, you know Boba Fett shows that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit. I could accept that. I can accept a Star Wars 1313. I can accept um, Boba Fett maybe between Empire and Jedi. That'd be kind of interesting. But I, I just want more. For me, we have two more anthology movies outside of Rogue One to figure out what they actually are. We have two shots. I, I, I don't want origin. I don't want a Han Solo movie. I don't, necess- I don't necessarily want a Yoda origin story. I get the appeal of... Finding out how Yoda became the, the most powerful and knowledgeable Jedi in the galaxy, I, I can understand. I don't know if I don't know if I want to see it. So we have those. We have the Boba Fett possibility. We had that leaked title of Red Five, which now could I think very well be Rogue One. Um, here's what I want. Here is the Star Wars anthology movie I want outside of Rogue One, which I'm actually very very excited to see. And very, very eager to hear stuff about. I would like, and I know a lot of you agree, I would like a Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine watching over young Luke Skywalker anthology movie. Give Ewan McGregor one more shot to play Obi-Wan on screen because I think he did a damn good job in every one of the prequels. And I, I would like to see him get another shot. He's such a, a passionate Star Wars fan himself. And he he did all he could in the prequels, man. Even with that wig. He did all he could. And I would like to see Ewan McGregor to get that shot of, of the early days of him in hiding on Tatooine, watching over young Luke Skywalker. That would be the anthology movie that I want. If you have a anthology, anthology, oh my gosh, I gotta stop drinking adult chocolate milk and broadcasting. If you have an anthology movie idea, tweet it to me at KenNapsock, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, and let's uh, let's have that conversation. Let's 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 find out what we would want to see. Uh, I'm going with Obi-Wan. Uh, I can accept a Boba Fett story. Just keep it away from the origin. Just keep keep origins away. Uh, for me, the origin stories are very rarely as, as complex and interesting as, as we hope they would be. Look at the prequels. That's kind of an origin story, right? It's the origin of Darth Vader. So told over three movies. Didn't work out as as, as, as we wanted it to. So that's where I'm at on that. Star Wars comic news. As I flip through my comical booklets. Princess Leia 3 and Kanan 2. Kanan the Last Padawan came out over the last couple weeks. <coughs> this along with the Darth Vader series and the, uh, the main Star Wars book yeah, for Marvel are still going strong. We got a couple more coming out soon. Uh, they recently announced that there's a Lando comic coming. And I'm very excited about that. You know I love my Lando Calrissian. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Um, But let's talk about these two comics that came out. If you haven't read the Marvel comics, they're doing a good job in the new relaunched line and the canon line. 
everyone involved is doing a great job. Uh, I, uh, at Celebration, had the uh, pleasure to meet Jordan D. White, who is the editor of all this stuff, and uh, congratulated him heartily on what Marvel is doing with Star Wars. I highly recommend every one of the books. That said, I gotta say, I am uh, increasingly disappointed with Star Wars Princess Leia, Mark Wade's book, and that doesn't mean um, it's bad. Uh, Mark Wade absolutely knows what he's doing when it comes to comic books, I can guarantee you that. And, and it has a different look, which I'm behind. It's just not my favorite look of all the Star Wars comic books so far. This is the most comic booky, if if you know what I mean. Which I know seems very picky and prickly, and and, and uh, snarky. I don't mean it that way. This is still an interesting overall story. It's going to be a short series. I believe it's only five uh, issues in this little short run. And you got to take a look because they do some. Very interesting things, and what they're trying to answer is, how does Princess Leia watch her planet get destroyed, obliterated in Star Wars A New Hope, and all she kind of does is, <sighs> can't believe you did that, Like, and then she moves on, and she's actually the one comforting Luke, who just lost a old man wizard he just met, and her whole planet and all her people have just been destroyed. Her family has just been destroyed, and there was uh, no reaction. It was always kind of a problem in the original Star Wars story, an underdeveloped female character. I agree, an underdeveloped character. Forget gender. I just think it was uh, an underdeveloped moment, but hey, it's lived with us, and now this book kind of sets out to answer it. It really does, and the character of Evan or Yvonne whatever you want to call her, E-V-A-A-N. I don't know how you want to pronounce it. I'll pronounce it Evine. I'm joking. Um, she's uh, an Alderanian alongside Princess Leia. She's kind of not a big fan of the princess. She even says that in this uh, issue, issue three. And she's got, they're on a mission. They're finding some survivors of Alderaan and all that kind of stuff. And basically what, it, what it's doing is answering... What happens to the Rebellion the moments after they destroy the Death Star and kind of swat that hornet's, hornet's nest of the Empire? And it uh, there's some great action scenes with Princess Leia. She is a tough cookie, and that is good. There's nothing bad about highlighting Princess Leia and her story. Uh, I hope there's more after this. I hope this is not the only five issues we have devoted to Princess Leia. I just think there's something, there's just something that's not, not hitting for me right now with it. And again, it's not bad. I'm not being some over-sensitive, pricky critic. Get this magazine. Get this comic. Did I call it a magazine? I did. Get this comic. Check it out. Judge for yourself. I, though, it's of, of the four Star Wars series out right now, this one is my least favorite. And uh, that say that with a little bit of regret, because Princess Leia, one of the all-time uh, best characters in movies, if you ask me. Iconic, not just the slave Leia sex slave costume that all the girls seem to uh, seem to wear. Which, by the way, I, I'm definitely one of those in the camp of uh, slave Leia is a little twisted to celebrate. Now, for me, growing up, it actually I, I fully admit because I understand how it would happen. Not knowing as a, as a young male, and your your hormones are starting to pump. You see Princess Leia in a still bikini, and you're like, yeah, hubba hubba, what is happening in my pants for the first time ever? It was a sexual awakening for an entire generation. But as you grow up and you, you see all the girls at conventions dressed as Slave Leia, you're kind of like, that's 
That's a little twisted because she's Jabba's slave at that point, and probably, in theory, the Leia probably didn't have to do it. Um, Ula, the dancing girl before her, a little bit of a sex slave pleasure thing going on there as well with Jabba. That's disgusting, and who knows what Salacious B. Crumb is up to down there. I, so I, I get it. I get just in and of itself, a steel bikini is kind of a sexy thing if you're cosplaying. Um, but in reality, I, I'm definitely one of those in the in the side of uh, eh, maybe we shouldn't celebrate that as much as we do. Um, so check out Princess Leia. Judge for yourself. Kanan, the last Padawan. I gotta say, two issues in is creeping up on being my favorite of the four. I love the Darth Vader series the best right now because it's got some great stuff in it, including Boba Fett. Uh, it's got some great stuff in it, but Kanan the Last Padawan, and this surprises me, though I kind of get it, because it's dealing with prequel stuff, kids. It is. It talks about Order 66. You got clone troopers. You got Republic starships. You got all the things that we're supposed to not like because it's in the prequels, right? But I, I was look, I was a fan of the Clone Wars series. Um, the uh, execution of Order 66 in Return, uh, excuse me, Revenge of the Sith, um, is actually one of my favorite sequences of, of the prequels, so, and definitely of Sith. It, it, it does tug on my heartstrings a little bit, watching Plo Koon and, and uh, Ayla Sakura, Sakura and, and Kiatimundi. Oh, when Kiatimundi dies, I was really sad when his troops get him on uh, uh, that snow planet. What is that snow planet? It's, it's in Battlefront uh, 2, I think. Mag Mag Magneto? Mag no, no, he was a ex-dude. Um, Megiddo. My Guido? Gosh, I wish the show was live so someone could tweet in and, and it helped me. It's another snow planet. And we're also getting another one coming up in The Force Awakens. Three snow planets in the Star Wars universe, at least. Kanan, the last Padawan. Kanan, the last Padawan, I'm telling you. And Greg Wiseman is the one writing this. He's doing a spectacular job with it. Um, it's two issues in, so I'm going to give it a little bit of time. Because two issues into Vader, it was by far my favorite. Then the third issue of Vader kind of went a little wonky the fourth one's kind of back on it but um so we'll see we got a long long run to go but there is something i'm telling you about kane and the last padawan that just kane and jarris caleb doom he, he's he is becoming one of my favorite star wars characters and, and i'm saying that knowing that I, I i was a person who didn't like the book new dawn and and, and took a while to warm up to rebels and i'm still got to be convinced that rebels is going to work out Kanan Jarrus, I'm telling you, is, it, it, there's just something about the character. He, he's conflicted. He, he uh, ha, had to hide all those years, couldn't just come out and be a Jedi. And then there's you know the question of, did he really even make it to the level of Jedi? Because he's kind of the last Padawan. He, he kind of didn't get there. He wasn't officially a Jedi Knight when Order 66 was executed. Issue 2 shows specifically how he survived Order 66. Now we're on to how uh, he um, the long-term survival of the character uh, that leads into A New Dawn and Rebels. I'm telling you, check out Kanan, The Last Padawan. If you're not getting it because you're not a fan of the show Rebels yet, or like me, you didn't really like New Dawn, or you didn't like the Clone Wars cartoon series and you think there's too much stuff there, or it's just too prequel-based, I'm telling you. Don't don't be like that. Get Kane in the last Padawan from Marvel Comics. Put the comics away. Another thing I bought and I wanted to share with you finally here on Spotlight Star Wars. Kind of a quiet edition. Um, I am collecting the um, 
William Shakespeare's Star Wars series, uh, Ian Dosher, uh, writing these. And um, I got the Phantom Menace one the other day. I don't know if Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are all out yet. I think they might be. I don't know. But this is... Uh, I have the original trilogy ones, and I've looked through them. It's just for me. It's not something I've actually read. I haven't read every uh, every line, every sentence in the original trilogy ones. It's just something cool to have. It's Star Wars and Shakespeare. And so I, I knew eventually I was going to get the prequel ones, and I finally got the opportunity to pick up the Phantom Menace one. And i got to tell you, it's, it's really fun. It's really fun, man. Uh, is, is this really happening to me? Am I starting to like prequel stuff more? That that must be what's happening. I've been hosting Jedi Alliance for too long. 38 episodes of Jedi Alliance, and I've started to appreciate the damn prequels just a bit too much. Unbelievable. You know how you know you cure that, though? You watch the prequels. Um, no, I do appreciate them, i got to admit. But here is, I want to read the opening crawl. The opening crawl to The Phantom Menace in Shakespeare style. And maybe this will make you go by the book. Big deep breath. Alack, what dreadful turmoil hath beset the strong republic and its bonds of peace. O'er distant trade routes all do sigh and fret, as fears of grim taxation do increase. The greedy vile trade federation hath created a blockade none may pass through. With deadly battleships they block the path unto the planet called Naboo. Whilst politicians endlessly debate, the Chancellor Supreme plies strategy. He sends two Jedi to negotiate, they who keep peace within the galaxy. In time so long ago begins our play, in troubled galaxy far, far away. Don't you want to read that? Don't you want to celebrate Phantom Menace now? Seriously, this this is pretty awesome. And I made a joke when I put an Instagram picture of up of this of uh, uh, you know, are you Doth an angel? But then I actually looked it up, and it's uh, they go a little different route with it, and it's pretty cool. I don't want to. Eh, it's gonna be a while if I dig through it here, but it's. There's some great stuff in here. It, it, the, the the original trilogy Shakespeare stuff was like it was cool. You look, it was it is great. It's a lot of talent goes into transitioning this. But I mean, uh, <laughs> enter Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar, his pod racer is Breaky Breaky. Qui Gon, what's this? I pray thee go and see again. Oh my gosh, Jar Jar, de bad Sibulba come behind thee. He sneaky up and any scaredy. Then. Did a part fall off his shippy? Dear a lots of smoke, Saboba coffin. But then Saboba zoom in fronty. Oh, Misa, cannot take it now. That is direct. I just read that directly from William Shakespeare's The Phantom Menace. I think that's enough for tonight, don't you think? I think we have spotlighted Star Wars in a weird fashion today. But that's what we're going to do. Remember to uh, like and uh, rate and review and do that all good stuff to this show, which is part of the Knapsack Files podcast feed. It's a whole bevy of shows on one fee. And it's free. 
All that for the price of free. So uh, do me the favor of rating and reviewing on iTunes. Subscribe if you haven't. We're on Podomatic and Stitcher as well. Uh, the Knapsack Files has a Facebook page. Ken Knapsack has a Facebook page. Like both of those. You can follow me, Ken Knapsack, on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope under the name Ken Knapsack. It is called Branding Across the Board. So until next time, where I'll try not to read Jar Jar lines in Shakespeare... Uh, this has been Spotlight Star Wars. Make sure you tweet me your anthology or ethology ideas for the next uh, two. Or, you know, what one do you want to see? I want to go with Obi-Wan on Tatooine. Don't forget to tweet me that stuff. So until next time, may that Force thing be with you.